The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus said, A disciple is not above the teacher, nor a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher and the slave like the master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of the master's household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs of your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I also will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a son against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and in-laws against one another, and one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. The Gospel of the Lord. You can be seated. I'm going to start by saying this. The Gospels are communal documents. The Gospels are communal documents. Documents. That's an important distinction to be made if we're to correctly hear a reading like today's, which, by the way, woof, this is a rough reading. The problem is that we are often told that the Bible speaks to me individually. We're taught that you can open your Bible, read a passage, hear Jesus say something to you directly. And that is true to an extent, but... You can't get all of this mixed up. The Bible was not written to you. When the author of the gospel, according to Matthew, composed those words, you, we, were not the direct audience. You're listening in on a conversation between an author and an audience from nearly 2,000 years ago, which means you have to know something about the things in the original audience to make sense of what's being said. Which takes me back to where I started. The Gospels are communal documents, not written to you or to any individual, but written to a community. So, who are, who was the Gospel according to Matthew written to? Most scholars would say that the audience for this gospel was a church community living about 50 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. 
And in writing this gospel, the author has done something that's a little tricky. He's overlaid the situation of Christians in his day and time on top of the story of Jesus so that Jesus's words and actions can be seen to apply both to the time of Jesus 50 years prior and what's happening in that church community in that day. Now, this community that the author of Matthew was writing to had issues. By the way, newsflash, the church has always had issues. So take comfort. They were quarreling over leadership, over being fearful of persecution, afraid of being alienated by non-believing family members, which you can hear in that reading. That's why Jesus sounds like a stern judge in these words, because for people who were afraid of persecution and being disowned, words of judgment against those who are oppressing them brought hope. Mixed in with these words of judgment are words of comfort. If anything, this passage tells us that early Christian communities were not idyllic. There is an enormous gap between the persecution that the earliest followers of Jesus faced and where you sit here today. The circumstances that challenged them are not the same ones that challenge you. There is a stereotypical idea that religious people enjoy the good life. That's the whole point of doing all this, by the way, right? That God rewards us for our faithfulness and our sacrifices and our prayers. But the author of Matthew, speaking to his conflicted and persecuted community, put these words in Jesus' mouth to remind them that discipleship does not include an exemption from hardships. In fact, it's quite the opposite. If you are truly following Jesus, living the call to seek justice for all people, to free the oppressed from the shackles that society places on them, and to love the unlovable, then you better believe there will be resistance. The world says, beat your enemies. Jesus says, love them. Which might cause people to disassociate with you, including your own family. You will be disowned. Your acceptance of others will create conflict and you will pick up a cross. That's, by the way, why we adorn this place with crosses. You might think that this giant cross on the wall and all these decorative crosses you've placed on the walls are there to look nice, to remind you of how much Jesus sacrificed. They're there for another reason. They remind you of your cross. These are not only Jesus crosses. They are you crosses. Jesus said, whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. These crosses are reminders that you are called to lose your life. Taking up your cross is not a call to decorations. 
It's a call to suffering that leads to death. The death of your old self. Buried in the waters of baptism. Raised to new life in the resurrection. At this point, you may be in shock. You may be looking for the fine print, checking to see the contract, what you've gotten yourself into. I understand. It's uh, a little bit shocking to be reminded of our crosses. But remember, the gospel will afflict the comfortable, comfort the afflicted. There was never any guarantee of safety. Ask the martyrs that passed this faith down to you. Annie Dillard, an author, said that churches ought to pass out crash helmets and life vests on Sunday morning. Here is the good news. God cares for birds. God cares for plants. God cares for animals. God cares for all creation. God cares for all people. That includes you. God doesn't abandon you. God didn't abandon Jesus, but was with him through death and the grave. And God is with you through whatever you face. And one of the primary ways that God stays with you is through the gift of Christian community. Do not be afraid. There is another kinship, another family where you are valued and you are enough. And we are it. Amen.